0: Hey everybody, this is Andy. Uh, Just before you get into this very long podcast, uh, a great discussion with uh, John, myself, and Max Dawson. I just wanted to give you a heads up that this, unlike most of our podcasts, will not be censored. We're not even going to do the very lazy beeping that uh, we'll throw in every once in a while. So... If that is an issue for you, if you perhaps listen to it where other ears can hear, don't listen to it with them now. Uh, save it for later because I think you'll enjoy this one. Thanks.
1: Welcome to this very special episode of the Purple Rock Survivor Podcast. I'm John, my co-host is Andy, and we did promise you guys that we were going to deliver some interviews with Survivor Second Chance nominees. I am very happy, as indicated by this throbbing erection, to welcome oh, our no. first
2: guest, Max Dawson.
1: Max, welcome to the show.
2: Oh, you have a Survivor boner. That's, it's nice I'm not the only oh, one. Oh, it's, it's a Survivor boner, is it? Yes.
0: Wow. So yeah, welcome everybody to this live edition of Max and Shireen fight for John's love.
2: <laughs> At least in this case, one of the two will be able to fight. Um, yeah. Well, I feel like I I, I need uh, a little bit of extra time. She had all that airtime to uh, to to win your affections, and and I've you know. I've been sitting here silently on the sidelines just waiting for a chance to swoop back in and, and, and find my rightful place in your heart. Well, A,
1: you haven't been sitting silently because I do read your Twitter feed. uh, And B, that's what this is all about. We're trying to give you a second chance to win your way back into my heart. Um, and again, I'll plug it already and we will plug it repeatedly. Go vote for Max. Actually, while you're listening to this, you should be creating multiple CBS accounts and voting many, many times for Max
2: During your refractory period, as (laughs) you're sort of regaining the ability to once again become tumescent, Mm -hmm. vote. And then, you know, the next time you create a new account and vote again and again and again. You could punctuate your ecstatic explosions with (laughs) visits to CBS.com. I love the vocabulary. Uh,
1: So... As you might have guessed, Andy has some doubts as to whether I can be objective and ask you tough questions, so I'm going to prove him wrong right now with my first question.
2: Wait, wait, Andy is actually going to be here for this interview? Like, what's the point? I I tried. Honestly, to keep him from
0: getting himself in trouble. That's about all I'm going to be here for.
2: Andy is the guy at the orgy who just sort of stands off in the corner and watches. Yeah, he's... he's I see you've been
0: following my Tumblr.
2: Arms, (laughs) Arms crossed, fully clothed, scowling.
1: Yeah. Uh he's he's here to keep me in line if things get out of hand. Um but actually that's a surprisingly good transition to my oh. first question, which is Fuck Mary Kill. Oh. Brown graduate Rafe Judkins, Brown graduate Sharino Scooy, or Brown graduate Greg Buis. You have the floor. Oh God. Oh, this
2: is really, really tough.
1: I told uh... you I'm gonna
2: bring the tough questions tonight. God, this is, oh my God, I could come up with so many different permutations of how to answer this question. Um, Never one of them includes killing Shireen. It's either marrying or fucking Shireen. Um, Probably should choose to marry Shireen because I don't want to cause any more confusion than there (laughs) already is amongst the kids on Tumblr who ship us hard. Yes. Um, So I, I marry Shireen. Um, it's an open marriage, however, because she's not my type. I, oh God. Now Greg and I obviously, uh, well maybe not obviously to some of your listeners, uh, Greg and I were, uh, I I wouldn't say friends, but we were people who traveled in similar social circles at Brown. When we were there, we graduated at the same time. We coincidentally studied abroad in the same city at the same university at the same time. I think Rafe actually ended up studying abroad at that school as well. Um, I I hung out with Greg. I never got a chance to meet Rafe, but I love Rafe, and it's hard to contemplate uh, killing him. Well, plus with Rafe, you get the dual ginger thing going. You know, yeah, that that is slightly so hot. It is kind (laughs) of hot. Um, The other problem in all of this is I am a straight man, so I'm going to have to be losing my 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 gay You're virginity to one card. of these guys and I'm trying to think which is going to be more gentle, who will be more tender and understanding. Um, I mean if, if you Rafe want an outside has,
1: opinion, I feel like Rafe is the more gentle lover.
2: Rafe is probably the more gentle lover. He's been down this road before. I'm sure I wouldn't be the first straight guy he's flipped. <laughs> um, and Greg, you know, but Greg, th- th- what complicates this is Greg's uh dalliance with Richard Hatch. You know, the, the flirtation they had. Oh, Another has 2.0, huh? I'm sorry, Greg, but much as you were cut from the potential list of candidates for Survivor Season 32, I'm going to have to go with Rafe. I feel like I'd be able to walk around afterwards more easily. I feel like just both physically and emotionally, Rafe would be more gentle with me. So I guess I kill Greg and I, and I fuck Rafe.
1: I... I love the thought that you put into answering that ridiculous question. Thank you so much.
2: It's, it's really, it's, I'm probably gonna regret this for the rest of my life.
1: I, I will allow you to tweet me a revised answer if you've changed your mind later.
2: Okay. Once I've spoken to my therapist and my (laughs) app.
1: right, Andy, you're up. Go
2: ahead.
0: Well, at this point, like, we probably don't need to ask you why people should vote for you. You just gave out all all (laughs) of that right there. I think everybody's right. Max, I wasn't sure before, but now that's the highlight. Uh,
2: the I, I, yeah, I mean, if only that could have been my video on CBS.com.
0: <laughs> that was the first draft, right? Uh, so I, kind of related to that, um, my question is, um, returning is this just part of your master plan to once again become dateable? Um,
2: you know, I think I said this on Twitter after the season. I'm undateable, but for reasons having nothing to do with Survivor. It's it's well, actually having. Everything to do with survivor i 'm a lunatic that 's why I was on survivor, and that 's why i 'm a, a nightmare to be romantically involved with um, you know it 's funny I, never before I think and I, and this is not arrogant hyperbole much as everyone probably wants to believe it is never before has a person come into the game a first time player laden with so many expectations, and I might add misconceptions including the misconception that this was some sort of long con in which the first time I'd go out, I'd be an outrageous Philip Shepard specialist type character because I was only playing to be invited back. I had to move mountains in order to get my employers to let me leave once. And the prospect of leaving my dream job, my very well-paying dream job as a consultant to television networks and studios that funds my very nice California beach lifestyle – in order to be a, um, you know, reality, uh, let's call a spade a spade, a reality TV, a professional reality TV contestant, never really entered my mind. I never really thought about this as something that I would want to do twice. Uh, I, I thought about it as something that I had to do, a, a sort of compulsion, uh, a drive that needed to be satisfied. But there was no master plan other than, you know, hopefully winning. Not that I was that hubristic to believe that i actually had a chance i think i went into it sort of in the mindset that jeff was trying to uh impose upon spencer when he said that he has no chance of winning this game jeff said a very similar thing to me during casting for worlds apart and the <laughs> well, there we go that, he, he's two for two He's two for two <laughs> the, the the thing that they kept saying when i was in for that last very abbreviated last second casting session and it was very funny under the circumstances, they kept saying, Spencer, he's just like Spencer, just like Spencer. And of course, I hadn't watched on because I was so furious that I had been packed, that I had bought my green underwear and green bathing suit and green shirt and had my whole on wardrobe. And I sat by the phone for a week with my passport in their possession, with my suitcase in their possession, and then never got to go. And I was so pissed off at that point, And it was at a point also where I was going through, through some big transitions in my life, splitting up with my wife, who was my high school sweetheart. I had just taken this new career. I just moved to the coast. And I thought, you know what, this survivor portion of my life, it's probably behind me right now. It's time to move on and do some other things. And so, you know, fast forward a year later. Um, and, uh, Lynn Spillman and Penny Lane Clifton and all the folks, uh, at CBS and SEG are saying, just like Spencer, just like Spencer. What I did realize is that they meant arrogant, intelligent guy <laughs> who won't win. Right. Did Spencer and,
0: take your spot in
2: Cagayan, you think? Oh, no, I was not in a spot. I, okay. I was a beneficiary of, uh, the, uh, two events, um, One being the guy who died in Colanta, which Mm -hmm. created an imperative to elevate the level of meticulousness that went into the survivor medical screening process, which I'm sure as, you know, hardcore fans watching over the years, you've probably wondered, how did that guy pass the medical test? Yes. Well, I think it was because prior to around 2012, it wasn't that rigorous. Mm -hmm. The other thing was the scare with R.C. St. Amore's father, uh, for the first blood versus water where high blood pressure sent him out of the game right before, you know, they were already out on location in the Philippines and he had to be pulled and sent home because of a medical scare. Mm -hmm. And I was, uh, told in, in the conversation that I had with SEG at the time, these two situations have created a heightened state of vigilance whereby we need to be prepared with, uh, alternates who are ready to go in the event of any sort of medical emergency or any other extenuating circumstances now of course when i heard that i'm thinking of um god and now i'm gonna go crazy oh i'm thinking of eric cardona who the legend has it went to samoa as an on-site alternate and charmed his way into the game Mm -hmm. thus bumping the cast from 18 to 20 and i told lynn you're going to fly me out and Jeff's going to get such a hard on for me that I'm going to play and I'm going to win this season. And she said, I hope so. Little did I know. However, it's a three tribe season. It's a lot more difficult to move those sorts of numbers around. Right. So yeah, you're not going to end up
1: with 21. That would be
2: cool. I didn't fly. I sat by the phone for a week and, uh, I, you know, it wasn't like one of these guys took my spot with caramel. And I always can speculate that, that Michael snow took my spot because, uh, you know, uh at the end of the week of casting, uh nine of the ten fans were there and me. And um uh, when <laughs> went out to the beach, I wasn't there and Michael Snow was. Um but uh I you know it was more a matter of just feeling like I had been through this whole casting roller coaster twice at this point and it had only led to frustration, disappointment, and hurt feelings. So I was probably just gonna move on and and get involved in some other things in my life, some other goals that I had.
1: And that actually transitions perfectly into another question that I had because I knew from, again, obsessively reading just about everything about you for my weekly Shireen and Max posts that you were in consideration for both Karamoan and Kagayan. So in an alternate universe where some tragedy happens and you could not be part of this hashtag Dirty 30 crew, would you have preferred Karamoan or
2: Kagayan? Well... As much as I would have loved to bro down with Malcolm, Eddie, and Reynolds, that season was so lopsidedly stacked in favor of the favorites,
1: as all that, favorite seasons tend to be. Yeah. I like to call
0: them returnees for that season. The, I'm well, not the returnees, sure
2: about <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, fans. Yeah, even fans. Even fans, it was kind of a even, even calling it Survivor probably <laughs> warrants an asterisk, right? Yeah. Um, I'm glad I wasn't a part of that season. I, you know, I, I dog that season all the time, but I love Cochran so much, both as a survivor contestant and just as a human being that watching that season and seeing his confessionals and seeing him have his dream come true, certainly made up for the fact that, you know, I, I, the, the 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 pre-merge was just like one of the most unnecessary televisual experiences of anyone's life. I, there, I mean, there essentially should have just been a like a sextuple boot episode where they eliminated six of the fans so that they could just have the merge in the second episode.
1: Yeah, it should have just been a one-week thing. Like every night at uh, 8 p.m., we're gonna <laughs> boot someone and then we'll return to the actual programming next week.
0: Yeah. I mean, as long as they got rid of Francesca first, right? Like, they have uh, that episode. And then, just for
2: tradition. My Yeah, I mean, that was a season that felt like uh, people sat around a writer's room and brainstormed, like, survivor puns or, like, wouldn't it be funny ifs? Wouldn't it be funny if we had someone who was voted off first come back and then she got voted off first again? Wouldn't yeah. it be funny if we had um the most delusional narcissist in the show's history with a certified schizophrenic wouldn't it be funny if you know we brought cochran out and stacked the deck with all of his friends and allies you know it's like it it, it just felt like um it just felt like some sort of weird uh like special that should have aired on tv in december when no one was watching tv in the 80s like that that was just like kind of shits and giggles as opposed to a real season of survivor
0: so it's a survivor battle of the network stars
2: exactly
1: <laughs> so in kagayan presumably you're in the spencer role are, are you okay with being on that tribe and losing like a maniac those first
2: few challenges I wouldn't have necessarily been in the Spencer role. I think I was a sort of Swiss army knife of braindom. I think that if uh Garrett had cut his finger on a can of tuna fish or if David Samson had been uh the victim of a lynching in South Florida or if, I don't know, if Spencer got grounded or something like that, that I could have stepped in for any one of the three of them. Being that I'm in that sort of like survivor gray area where on one season I'm an old guy and another season I'm a young guy and right. one season I'm a fit guy and another season I'm an out of shape guy I, I kind of am I'm able to be slotted into a number of places which is why maybe I was a good alternate and not necessarily a good uh, contestant for that season.
0: That makes sense you're like a, the utility player in baseball. Yeah. Because they also could have shifted Garrett to maybe a non brainy tribe because I don't know if that was the ideal fit. Just saying. <laughs>
2: We'll never know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right, Andy, your turn.
2: Well,
0: uh, so, yeah, getting back to the season that's upcoming that you're going to go on and dominate, um, how surprised were you that when they called you and asked you to come back?
2: Okay, so my first reaction was, who, me? Like, you got the right number? Were you looking for, you know, uh, sorry, this isn't Joe, you know, this is Max. Right. Yeah, you know, I was
0: actually going to ask if they were trying to call
1: Vince and just, yeah. was like, awkward when you picked <laughs> uh, up... The you're,
2: you're his emergency contact. Well, no, we, we yeah, Vince and I have a landline, a shared landline, and they called asking for him, but I picked up, and then, you know, <laughs> lo and behold, here I am. Um, no, you know, it's weird, because when I left the game, and I've, I've sort of told this story recently, somewhere on social media, um, when I left the game, the next day, I was at Ponderosa, and one of the uh contestant wranglers uh had been to base camp and had bumped into Jeff, and she said, hey, I bumped into Jeff, and he had a message for you. He said, tell Max we loved what he did. We were really, really sad and disappointed that he went out so soon, but we want him to play again. And really? at the time, I didn't know if that's the sort of thing that they had said to Nina and Vince. And so, and Lindsay, and everyone else who walked through those doors. Mm -hmm. But over the course of the next few weeks in Costa Rica spending time with that Motley Crew, I sort of sussed out that no one else had had that said to them. I actually, you know, uh, to take a step back, I actually had another conversation with Matt Van Wagenen, the co-executive producer with Jeff, during which he said, Not as strongly worded, but he said, you are exactly the sort of person who we would fight to bring back. Now, that was commensurate with my experience, with my perspective on the 14 days I played. The 14 days I spent out there, I thought I was a major, not power player, but a major part of everything that was going on. It was certainly in the mix of what was going on at the White Collar Beach. I had a very strong alliance I thought I had a strong second alliance. I thought I had a strong third alliance with Tyler. I thought that uh, we had, between me and Shireen the wherewithal to go very far. And I thought that, given the horrible reaction that she generated in almost every individual she encountered out there, that I would have no problem beating her. Uh, I, I felt good. And I also felt like I was having a lot of fun. I was doing stuff. Uh, I was doing well in challenges. I was holding my own. I wasn't standing out, but I was you know I had a few good moments and I was getting every single time we went to a challenge. Jeff was coming to me for questions now you know you see in challenges sometimes Jeff will say, "Hey, how's it going over at your camp You'll, you might see him ask that once every third challenge
1: yeah it's but right. every
2: Every challenge begins with a Q&A session where Jeff goes Matt to Matt to Matt in a three-tribe season, and he hits you with questions. What's camp life like? How'd you feel after that last challenge? How are you guys holding up? What do you think about the, the most recent person voted out of no Collar? Now, the first, say, three days, or the first maybe two episodes, that question got asked to everyone. So what do you think? Walk, what do you think? Uh, Max, what do you think? Shereen, what do you think? Tyler, what do you think? And then he would go down the line. Mike, what do you think? Before long, I was the only one getting asked that question. Not only on my blanket, but for the most part, it challenges Jeff and I would have a conversation. I think Dan would often be a participant. I think at a certain point, he just gave up talking to No Collar because it wasn't happening. Uh Mike, God bless him, one of the most fun dudes out there and great talker in his confessionals played his cards close to his chest, kind of along the lines of the T-Freddy, where Jeff would ask some questions and they would give the most boring, platitudinous answers of all time. We're working hard, Jeff! It's great! (laughs) Oh, good impression. Tyler Tyler would not say a thing. Um, I'm shocked. I don't believe that for a second. Be surprised. But it was all strategic. I mean, Tyler didn't do a thing that was not strategic. It was all part of his game of not putting his neck out there. Now, I am the sort of kid or guy, excuse me, I was the sort of kid who, as Shireen said, I sat at the front of the class. And I didn't wait for the teacher to call on me. I interrupted the teacher because I thought I had something interesting to add to the conversation. So that makes me a great candidate for, A, participating in these mat chats, and, B, putting my neck out there in a way that by the time of the SWAP, and by the time I was voted out, I actually learned afterwards, the other two tribes have both decided that I was the person who they were going to go after the very first opportunity they had, because A, I was smart, B, I was arrogant, and C, they didn't like the amount of attention I was getting from Yeah, Jack.
1: you're stealing their shine.
2: So I also talked trash, you know, like they showed that in the first challenge. There's no way they're going to fix this. They showed it on the first day. Would you like a white collar to go over there and sort this problem out? To me, it was too much of an opportunity to have fun. And, you know, I'm sure there's an inevitable question of what will you do different. I'd like to say that I'll keep my mouth shut. But have I stopped talking in the 45 minutes that we've been on this conversation? Yeah. Not really. Uh, to be fair, I, I think there are certain people on this season who would
1: be more advised to keep their mouth shut. You, you don't tend to put your foot in your mouth quite as often as some of them.
2: Uh, Listen, I I never really said anything that I felt like I was embarrassed by or that, you know, I said some things that looked goofy in the edit in episode five, but those those things were were for me fun. I, I had a lot of fun out there, and I think that that fun translated to the crew, maybe more so than it translated on screen, and the reaction I got from them was, we like working with you. You're good at this. This is fun you know, we, we consider you someone who's good to work with and whether it was in confessionals, whether it was at tribal, whether it was on the mats or whether it was being out naked and going for a swim, I I apparently did something that made an impression on someone because otherwise based on the edit, I'm self-reflexive enough to know based on that edit, there's no reason they should have me back. (laughs) That edit is not the edit of someone you bring back. So to get to your original question, was I surprised? I was really surprised because I was given all of this feedback at the time and my experience was extremely positive and I left with a lot of confidence and satisfaction. And then my edit suggested that I should really feel otherwise. Yes. And I, I was even asked by people, not not just you know, fans or uh, you know loved ones, but I was asked by people who have played Survivor did you do something to piss somebody off? Like, well, did you fuck with some, excuse me, I forgot that you guys, no, we don't, don't worry um, about it. Did, did you do something to get on somebody's bad side? And the fact of the matter is I didn't, uh, I, I didn't have an antagonistic relationship with a single producer. Many of my other cast members did. And lo and behold, they are reaping what they sowed in those contentious relationships episode by episode. I felt like I left on really good terms feeling like the producers respected me and maybe that was a part because I respected them so much. I mean, you know, the first day at Ponderosa, pregame Ponderosa, when I met the producers, they uh, they uh come to pregame to the tent city and they meet with us one-on-one for like five or 10 minutes. I sit down in front of all of them and they interview me and I get to ask them some questions. And the first thing I ask is they say, Which one of you guys was in charge of producing Russell Swan's boot episode in Survivor Philippines? Because that's the greatest episode of Survivor from an editing and production standpoint of all time. Lo and behold, it was Joe Leah, the guy I was talking about earlier, when I think before this interview actually started. But it was producer Joe Leah. And that's the sort of mode I was in. I'm out there not only playing the game I love, but working, collaborating alongside of the people who make the best reality TV show in history. Mm -hmm. So for me, that respect and the respect I have for the game lent itself to a style of playing that I've recently been calling naked and hard. (laughs) Not holding anything back. Playing as hard as I can. um, Going for it, whatever it is, in a challenge in a confessional, in camp life, just like relishing every moment and not letting up. And, you know, whether or not that is a sound survivor strategy remains to be seen. Given some more time, maybe it could have worked itself out. Uh, I think more as a sort of strategy for life, naked and hard is is something that I might stand behind. Or in front of... You certainly don't want to stand in front of...
1: Well, at least for our first question, you had to. (laughs)
0: <laughs> but oh. actually you're saying like yeah going hard at it and we're not sure whether um that's a good strategy this is a conversation john and i've had a lot recently pretty much probably since on. maybe it is in modern survivor maybe people have yeah. gotten so used to kind of stepping back and trying to not be threatening that you know playing full court press has now become an advantage well uh, Obviously, it wasn't for you, but the opposite yeah. hasn't been much of an advantage for Tyler, for instance. So, it works what do you think?
2: to a certain extent for Tyler. A certain, you know, if, if we had Tyler and I as the, you know, the two test cases for how to play Modern Survivor, you'd probably want to conclude that Tyler did better. Um, and that's based on the criteria of lasting longer in the game, not getting the return invite. I, I, you know, I know that there is the sort of philosophy that, you know, you play Survivor now your first time, so you get invited back for your second time. You play Survivor to win a million dollars, Right. <laughs> unless you have an even more profound personality disorder than the ones that most people have. The thought that you're going into this to make a career out of it is indicative of of major, major problems and priority uh, priority distortions. But in terms of you know you know Rob Sesternito and Stephen Fishback talked about this early on in the season. Have we seen the dawn of a new era of Survivor where people like Max, I'm gonna do some third person here. This is nice. Fun. Say yes, so I was lying to you. Um, you know I I w- or I would have lied better. I guess my when I actually said yes, so I was lying to you. That got cut from the episode. But to that question of so saying, Max, you told me you were with me. Did you lie all this time? My response was to look her in the eye and say, yes, so I've been lying to you since day one. Because that's that naked and hard philosophy. Lay it all out. Tell people you are playing hard. And provided they are playing hard as well, there's going to be more opportunities to make things happen than if you're playing with strategically inert people like Tyler was. Now, Tyler was strategically inert in a strategic way. He refused to talk strategy. He refused to talk about the idol. He refused to talk about possibilities that existed beyond whatever meal or whatever fire we were dealing with for that day. And for that reason, it made interacting with Tyler, for me, there was this amazing dance that was taking place where I would push and he would dig in and I would pull and I would try to go this way and that way and try to get him to move his feet, but he wouldn't. And we had some brilliant moments in that tribal council that so went home in. Where Tyler was trying to feign ignorance to things that he knew very well, and I would repeatedly call him out on it. He'd say, "I didn't know anything about the fact that they had an idle clue." I'd say, "Tyler, remember four hours ago when we were standing in the water, and uh, I told you about that. Yeah. You know, I was giving you know, you're dehydrated, maybe you forgot." But and he would then, you know, the next thing would come up. Well, I I, I didn't know that they were talking about voting out Carolyn yet. Tyler, you. you we talked about that as well. So Tyler's digging in. Meanwhile, on the other side of the spectrum, I'm doing the whole the big man thing. I'm going. We got to talk to Tyler. Tyler's going to make this decision. We got to, you know, let's check in with Tyler before we do anything. Tyler, what do you think we should do? Tyler, 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 Tyler. I'm trying to make Tyler the target. I'm trying to make Tyler the figurehead of the tribe. I'm trying to make him the leader. When Tyler's doing everything in his power to not be in that position, and so it is a real. Test of which approach works better. I think, you know, given one variable shifting, say if, you know, we lose another challenge and a completely different set of outcomes comes along. You know, there was a lot of talk by the time of the uh, challenge on whatever day 12 or so, that if we lost, uh, Tyler, Joaquin, and Mama C were gonna vote me out, because they were afraid of the control I had over Shireen, and Carolyn was still smarting over the fact that I'd used her as a decoy and had marginalized her within our three-person alliance. But if we had lost a, a challenge on day six, I think Joaquin would have gone home. And then Tyler would have been in a very disadvantaged position, because if Shireen had been able to get rid of Joaquin, God forbid it would have been so difficult for Tyler and Carolyn to live with Shireen. <laughs> Shireen, this is the thing, and this is, I, 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 I'm I covering about 42 topics in this one question, which was, what did you think when they called you back? I, I'm sorry, I can't stay on topic right now. That's, that's right. But the, the, the thing that I want to really emphasize about Shireen that really troubles me the most is that the more comfortable Shireen was, the more people responded to her negatively anytime Shireen started to feel good about herself and comfortable and started to be herself she got lashed out at and the the the, the truest example of this was when we got to Nagarote after the swap hours were spent with Shireen downloading to Haley and Jen and Kelly and Will how miserable her life had been under the oppressive thumb of the wet blanket alliance now of course we didn't know they were the wet blankets at the time but they had created an atmosphere around camp where Shereen felt she didn't feel good about herself she didn't feel like she could be herself she felt like she'd get shot down she'd feel like she'd get chewed out she felt like she'd get scowled at and she talked about in some of her exit interviews some of the things that joaquin said to her she talked about tyler and the sit there and look pretty she didn't talk about that it got to a point where If Shireen had an idea, we worked out a system where she would come tell me the idea so that I could tell everyone else. Because even if it was the best idea, backed up by the most knowledge, in many instances it was, for example, how to make a fire, if it came from Shireen, it was immediately discounted. If it came from me, the same information, sure, let's do that. So Shireen was in a position during those first, whatever, 12, 11 days where she felt like she couldn't be herself. And as soon as she got around Jen and Haley, she felt like, oh my god, I can be myself. And oh lord, was it a disaster. <laughs> all of the things that she had done to annoy Carolyn Joaquin and Tyler came out only now with absolutely no filtering. So the whistling and the monkey sex and the stories and the this and the that. All the stuff that makes Shereen one of the most fun people to hang out with if you're not a wet blanket but if you are, makes her quote-unquote annoying. So Shireen kind of really came into her own during those three days and was feeling so confident, and it was making me so happy because so much of my life during the first 12 or so days of the game was dedicated to rebuilding the damaged ego of Shireen after she had trouble with that puzzle and then suffered the humiliation of being browbeaten and talked down to by Joaquin uh at White Collar for the next few days. So so much of that time was like, no, Shereen, you're awesome and I love you. And I'm having so much fun playing Survivor with you. And we are going to one day watch this and have the best time. And that quote that you saw of me saying to her, that was brilliant. That was amazing, that was that was part of that whole strategy of rebuilding the self confidence of someone who had been really Harshly uh, reprimanded and sort of and kind of put in put in a place, a place that she didn't belong in, a corner she didn't belong in early in the game. So at Nagarote, as Shireen is come kind of coming into her own and being herself and being really out there and, and being the real Shireen, that's when the Max and Shireen are annoying thing comes up. And the thing that was so telling to me about Shireen's edit about her relationship to Jen and Haley is that they started to like her once I was gone. Once the person who made her feel good about herself and comfortable in her own skin was gone, once she was once again terrified of offending anyone, once she was told by Haley to just simmer down, to to just cool out, to just not be so out there, then they liked her once she had been silenced. And that, to me, has always stuck in my craw. That the person that we saw that that you fell in love with, that I did, and you know we're speaking you know metaphorically, we are not shipping Max and Shereen. <laughs> people, we've caused enough problems with this. That's the person who did the reverse bomb. The person who just couldn't contain it, and that's the person I want to see as a fan. That's the person I want to see in my real life. The Shereen feels comfortable and confident enough to just be out there. So. You know, bringing this back around to the question of the next season, will we see Shireen feeling that confidence to be herself? Will she feel that she needs to tamp down on things? I don't know. It'll be very interesting whether I'm out there playing or at home watching because I'm just going to throw this out there. That girl is a lock. After that edit, if that girl is not on the next season, I have no faith in CBS and or the public.
1: Likewise, I, I was, actually I was, <laughs> I had speculated a long time ago that there was going to be, basically, a, the fan vote was going to be a portion of the decision making, and then I saw a disclaimer that, that basically it was true, and now they've gone back on that disclaimer, which sort of makes me a little afraid because there are still people, cause I'm on Twitter and I see these things, there are still people who don't like Shireen. They're wrong, but they yeah. do exist.
2: It's really interesting to me the degree to which, going through this season, I've been able to witness the malleability of the public hive mind. Okay. You know, like Mike Holloway, he's he's a, a a mean workaholic who bosses everyone around. Oh no no no, he's a man of God who protects the downtrodden and is basically the best things in sliced bread. Yep. And the degree to which, as the edit shifts and and I think we talked about this again off mic or off the recording earlier on. There have been these strange moments of ellipses over the course of the season where clearly we haven't gotten the whole story. There have been some like missing pieces. Like, wait a second, how did Mike go from being, you know, the leader of the the blue collar to the blue collar pariah? It's amazing how it seems like public sentiments don't take that into account. Don't wonder, don't raise red flags. They just say, Oh, okay, yeah, we like Mike now. We didn't like him yesterday. We like Shereen now. We didn't like her yesterday. The degree to which there's this like literal on the nose interpretation of the edit without any room for interpretation or without any kind of room for for fuzziness or for complexity, like Dan is bad. We hate Dan, Dan is bad it It just is it's told to us. It's reinforced by a snarky, obnoxious video on Facebook the next day that's been edited by CBS Interactive. <laughs> and then the fans parrot it as if it's gospel. And, you know, there there's been one person, I think, who had the one note edit all season, and it was the unremittingly positive edit that Joe received that was Joe is essentially like uh receiving a blowjob and a massage. <laughs> And watching your favorite movie while drinking a milkshake at the same time while, uh, you know, uh, Tom Waits plays a private concert for you in your home. Like, that's Joe. That's, that's, you know, that's the Joe experience. There's nothing about, and someone's tickling your taint with an ostrich feather. Forgot <laughs> to say. There's nothing about Joe that isn't ecstatic peak life experience, right? Yep. Everybody else though, it's like, Either you're the, the, the worst monster of all time, you're the worst buffoon of all time, you know, you're, or there's this weird 180 where you're obnoxious and then beloved.
1: Yeah, I think even Malcolm in exit interviews had said after Philippines, he was like, I, I thought I was going to be the villain. I, I said all these mean things in confessionals, and you know, I was doing you know, mischievous things, and he really thought he was going to be the villain, and then he sees the edit, and he goes, oh, Apparently they really liked me and they made me a hero. And there's
2: nothing wrong with that, but it's just, it's strange to me. I guess it shouldn't be. This is like where media professor Max and media consultant Max and survivor fan Max and survivor player Max all have a horrific bloody head on collision and the four way intersection of life. And it's like, I kind of want to think that people will be able to see through and around this and say, wait a second, if Shireen was so annoying before and I hated her so much last week and now I think she's so amazing and she's this underdog who I'm cheering for, maybe she really wasn't that annoying last week or you know, maybe she's not really that amazing this week. But at the very least, do I have some sort of reason to ask a question about what else am I not seeing or, or how is this being massaged? I mean, it's not about like, doubting the edit or calling into question the edit. I think the edit is very accurate. You see portions of all of our personalities. It's just this degree to which people you know have these very literal interpretations and reactions to a person like a Shereen and then to watch them change their tune almost instantaneously to stop and pivot on a dime and then have absolutely no qualms about pretending like they didn't post something on Facebook two weeks before about how she's the most annoying person, oh, uh, she's disgusting, send her home.
0: Yeah, and, like, just with the edit, the storytelling's just been a little weird as well. Like, uh, you and Shireen are perfect examples. We couldn't tell, uh, for especially Shireen. Uh, it's like, she's the oddity that, you know, these super fans. ha ha ha, isn't it funny that anybody ever likes Survivor? And then, all of a sudden, yeah, she's the hero, but with no, you know, re- resolution. At the end, she still loses, you know. Uh, we were... Uh, and not that we ever thought that she was necessarily going to win, but she never exacts revenge, at least until now, you know, maybe through a proxy of like Mike or maybe in the Final Tribal Council. But yeah, we've been kidding, like this was, you know, the Game of Thrones season where it seems like, okay, our hero is finally going to get redemption for everything going wrong. Oh no, they're going to die bloodily.
2: Yeah. Well, it's interesting the degree to which Shireen's storyline is continuing in the Ponderosa videos. Yes, very much so. (laughs) First with the guacamole, the the guacamole recipe. That was hilarious. I mean, it's just so funny to see your friends on TV and then to see them being themselves. And I think you're seeing seeing actually much more accurate portrayals of the people I know in the Ponderosa videos than you see in the show. Like the Tyler that we saw in the Ponderosa video released this week. Joe even remarks in the video about, where was this guy out on the island? Tyler is fun. You know, Tyler's got a goofy sense of humor. Tyler's a a good time guy, but and you actually see it a little bit out there. And and, and same with Jen. Like Jen doing the impersonation of Shireen, reciting the guacamole recipe. <laughs> that was good. Is so Jen. Yes. And Shireen with the guacamole recipe is so Shireen. So I, I, if if anything, we can say that. The ponderosa videos have elevated in their quality so much especially after the absolute low point of the blood versus water season the first one um where it seemed like they were using like um a flip cam that they found in <laughs> the bottom drawer of somebody's basement and they had given it to um like a a cross-eyed intern who edited it on iMovie or something like that. These are shot so beautifully and the storytelling within them is really complex. And the fact that Tyler's, even though we saw the other side of Tyler, the kind of fun, more charismatic side of Tyler, the entire Ponderosa video is essentially about Shireen. It's fantastic. I loved it. You must have just been sitting there playing that on loop, rubbing your hands together. Huge grin from my side.
0: Yeah, it's Shireen's second Ponderosa video. But yeah, with the quality, it's like, it seemed, and I'm not sure about this, but, like, was there a helicopter shot for, like, Haley's introduction? She's yeah, sitting there yeah. by the pool, and it's, like, way up there. It's like, they did that the, for Ponderosa?
2: Well, this is what happens. The helicopter goes out to Tribal Council. I, I didn't watch Haley's, um, so I don't know the shot you're talking about, but every night that there's a Tribal Council, the helicopter goes to shoot uh walking uh from the beach and then walking to tribal, the aerial shots of the torches. Um, and before it does that to sort of kill some time to make sure everyone's in position, the helicopter comes over to Ponderosa and the helicopter plays with you. So the helicopter comes over and it like shines its light and it films you and, you know, does a little, you know, it does a loop and it'll do a little, some trick flying. And then we'll all, we being the, uh, the pre-merge crew, we're all there, um, you know, waving. One time uh I stripped naked for the helicopter because I had this whole thing with the helicopter. Whenever I was naked, the helicopter would be around. I felt like we had a little thing going. So I felt like I owed it to them one last time to just get naked there at Ponderosa for them. But then the, the fun thing is you try to track the helicopter to one of the beaches and figure out who's getting voted out that night. You're like, oh, my God. Wait, what beach are they going? Oh, what? They're... They're at Eskimeca. They're at escameca What the, What happened? How did Negarote win? How did Negarote win? And that's when uh, Lindsay like, looked over from over her cocktail and said, Mike said he's going to throw a challenge. <laughs> was, and we're like, what? Mike said he's going to throw a challenge. Oh, God. Oh, what's going to happen? Who's coming home? And all I can think of is it's Tyler. They're going to send Tyler home because anyone can see this guy is 6'2", built like a brick shit house. He is very, very intelligent. He's clearly lying about something in his life. He wouldn't tell us where he went to school. He kept saying, I went to a small school in Santa Barbara. Now, to me, that suggested there's actually a very conservative religious institution, Christian religious institution in Santa Barbara, that has contributed heavily to some of the anti-gay marriage and anti-gay rights bills that have been passed in California. And so I'm thinking he's trying to hide that because he's affiliated with a right-wing Christian organization. Not at all thinking for a second that it's because he was a star football player at Cal Berkeley and went on to a, you know, semblance of of an NFL NFL career, career. but I'm thinking they're sending Tyler home. And, of course, it didn't turn out to be that. And, you know, probably, you know, this is a question I have for you guys. Was that the right move, sending Joaquin home that night? I mean, Joaquin was brewing down with with Rodney, and that could have potentially been dangerous. But, I mean, Joaquin was... He was going on, like, maybe six episodes of Survivor at that point, and five of them he had been in, um, in terms of his background knowledge of what goes on in the game. Right. Don't you want that type of guy around?
1: Uh, I think the way we came down on it was you know what, there was starting to be an axis within, in that group, and it was right for Mike to break that up and why not have it be Joaquin? Um,
2: yeah, I guess.
1: There, Sure, you could have taken other targets, but it needed to be broken up somehow, and I think the idea was that he could bring Rodney back into the fold uh after Joaquin was gone. Yeah.
0: Which we were wrong about, but... Uh... Clearly. <laughs> But yeah, it, it felt like for Mike, it was, it, it took away things that were chipping away at his problems. Cause, it, you know, it could have also been a threat to, for Sierra to form an alliance with Tyler, Joaquin, and Rodney. Now, yeah, looking back, as you point, maybe Tyler would have been better, especially since it turned out that, you know, Carolyn ended up becoming, uh, basically what Joaquin, we were afraid Joaquin would be. But in the moment, you, it's, quite obvious what was going on with Joaquin and uh, Rodney
2: I mean they were mirroring each other's body language that's (laughs) amazing amazing. that's always a telltale giveaway (laughs) that 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 might be one of my favorite gifs this season has I mean and every survivor season gives us so many wonderful gifs but that's got to be one of the best right that was it's it's in the top five from this season have you guys done a post I know you're into lists and like you know organizing and arranging things like that have you done a, a, a post of top gifs from the season no,
1: yeah, if you, they uh, if they let me do it, it'll just end up being like five Shireens.
2: Well, here here's uh, let's let's try to make this list right now. One is me doing the slow walk. That's that's and that's yes, just as you that's,
1: shove Shireen away from you.
2: That's not ego. That's just like I could watch that in a loop forever. It is even not knowing that it's me. I would think that guy is really really cool. Um, <laughs> and I love that people thought I was trying to throw the challenge because I walked too slowly. Um. <laughs> No. Uh, Shireen You're reverse just walking bomb. Walking away
0: from an explosion behind you, right? Yes,
2: exactly. Shireen reverse bomb definitely, definitely makes my easy, list.
1: Yeah.
2: Walk and Rod swinging their arms. Yep. Uh, what else? What I else? I would probably
1: do Shireen falling off the balance beam. Yeah, that's pretty
2: good. Um,
1: fifth is I'm I'm stumped on a fifth, though.
2: Will,
0: Will sliding down like oh, like, my oh my
2: God. God. come on how
1: did I forget that?
0: How did we forget that?
1: That's the hammer and, right there.
2: And I, you know, I don't know if this has even been made yet, but I, I tried to vine it, and I was my my commitment level was not there, so I didn't get a good one. But when Shereen and Dan are having that conversation in the last episode, toward the end, when it's time before it's time to vote, and Dan says, "Yeah, I'm listening to you," and then proceeds to bang yeah. his shoe on the tree and then spit the huge <laughs> mouthful of water, like. To me, those are some of the most priceless moments of of footage that I've seen on Survivor in a long time
1: <laughs> yeah uh they're very Dan moments as we like to refer to them on the podcast
2: yeah i I love <laughs> Dan. I mean, I know that it that Dan has been through the ringer this season and 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 quite frankly, half the time in life not even talking about the game i find myself shaking my head and slapping myself on the forehead at some of the things that dan does but i love this guy he talk about playing naked and hard dan this is really dan and i know that people sometimes say you know is dan foley you know does he ever not play this character no it's not a character that's dan he is really like that you just confirmed andy's theory what's your theory
0: well yeah we talked about this in the most recent podcast where yeah, John was like, it's just so contrived. I'm like, yes, I feel it's contrived, but I also feel like this is Dan every day of his life.
2: Yeah, this is his character. There is no on off switch, right?
0: Yeah. Every conversation he has, he's putting on a bit of a show for the people.
2: No, every you know, if I call Dan up on my drive into work in the morning, it, it's like I'm watching a Survivor confessional with Dan. It's like <laughs> it's the I, he's he's been doing this. For a long time before survival, he'll be doing a long time after. And, and the thing is, quite frankly, most people, you guys included, I think if you spent a few hours in his presence, you'd be like, this guy is so much fun.
1: I certainly thought that before the
2: season. <laughs> uh, well, listen, I'm not saying you spent a few hours with him playing Survivor. Mm. I'm saying more like, you know, ha- having bathed, been fed, and, and been allowed to see his wife.
0: This is one of those things where you just like find a topic. like, let's see what I can make Dan do. And you just kind of put it out there and then just see what he does.
2: Oh, yeah. Like, let's let. uh, No, I don't even want to talk about that.
1: (laughs) Hey, all uh, right. Speaking of the next season, though, or or trying to speak of the next season.
2: That was uh, a very awkward transition. Thank you.
1: Uh, (laughs) It was not one of my best. And I have been pretty good at them lately, but that was not my best effort. So you mentioned on Twitter that Vince will be your family member for the family member visit next season. Uh, is it too late for me to throw my hat into the ring? Is there any sort of competition? For I've you to be my member. family
2: visit? Yeah, um, I mean,
1: I, I figure like I could greet you the way Kat greeted her cousin, or like a Lisa Welchel and her I, brother kind of thing. I was
2: gonna say the you know, Lisa Welchel her brother. That was that yeah, was that was a lot. Of,
1: lots of tears and like bizarrely intimate hugging. I'm thinking maybe um, that could be our gimmick. We could do that.
2: Yeah, definitely. Okay. Um If I don't want to be voted onto this season, because I think right now <laughs> yeah. in the minds of most people, the strongest compelling reason to vote for me is that they might see Vince again. This is very true. Um. I, uh, when, when that idea came to me, it was like, uh, if only I got that excited about anything else that had happened in my life, because I felt like it was the great triumph of 2015 so far. Like,
1: yes, to be fair, it's fucking gold.
2: I mean, can you imagine? I mean, coach and his assistant coach was one. <laughs> <day>. That's <laughs> up there. But how That's an all never... And knew. his life coach. Wow. The, the thing is, and, and, and... And this is where it's actually, you know, it's funny because it's true. Having Vince around, having Vince as my sort of unofficial roommate, and I say unofficial because there isn't really enough room in the the cottage I live in for two, uh, let alone two and two cats, Um, but uh, Vince has become a part of my life. And and if you had asked me before, uh, like, for example, the day we flew down to Nicaragua, if I would ever have anything to do with this weird-looking guy with the feathers in his hair after this was all said and done, I probably would have slapped you. But now Vince has become a good friend and a guy who I love to hang out with and a guy who has brought a lot of wonderful things into my life. You know, he's been around during tough times. You know, he has been. Uh, well, I mean, he's been around. He doesn't really have anywhere else to go. But, <laughs> uh, you know, he's. I come home sometimes and he's cleaned the floors and 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 cooked me a steak on the grill or he's you know in the morning he said you know I'm going to make you a uh, I'm going to make you a special tonic and you know listen a couple of times I've gotten to work and have been hallucinating or seeing trails <laughs> when I move my hands but That's part of the, the spiritual cleansing process, he tells me. That's, that's the Vince experience right there. It is the Vince experience. But the thing that, you know, that actually, that won, uh, Vince a place in my heart was that after I came out of the game, uh, you know, the next day was kind of great because I had that great news from, uh, the production that Probst loves me, Probst wants to have you back, and I'm thinking, this is fantastic, you know, party down at Ponderosa, go to Costa Rica, get massages, go zip lining, see Howler Monkeys, stuff like that. Um, and then uh the night Joaquin comes home, uh, we're all partying down and celebrating his arrival and stuffing ourselves, and I don't feel good. And I'm just not having a good time. And I say... Walk. I'm sorry. I gotta excuse myself. I don't feel well. I gotta go downstairs to my room. I go down to my room, and thus begins the diarrhea and the vomiting, (laughs) and it lasts well on and off for the next six days. Um, I'm quarantined in my room because they're terrified. I will expose the other cast members and crew members to whatever it is that I'm harboring in my system. No one will uh allow me to come up. They, they essentially they bring a plate and leave it outside my <laughs> door with white rice and toast on it and then the doctor comes yeah, exactly. Back to white rice after, you know, two weeks of, of surviving on it. Uh The doctor comes, brings me Gatorade, and I'm essentially stuck in a darkened room with no television set, no computer, limited reading materials for days on end. And during that time, Vince uh started taking an interest in my care and preparing for me special homemade fermented coconut remedies you know he he had brought with him his kit of uh vince brought with him a very small suitcase containing i think approximately three changes of clothes a sack of about 60 avocados and then an entire kit of herbs and uh potions and tinctures and all of these different uh holistic non-traditional non-western medical products and preparations And he was brewing me these drinks, and he would sit outside my room on the other side of the screen and talk to me. And he really took a genuine interest in my care, both psychological and physical. And that was something I didn't expect anyone who I had played Survivor with to do, let alone this guy.
1: Well, I'm glad that you brought up Vince's particular tonic brewing abilities, because I'm sure you know that Rob has a podcast, has an official drink, courtesy of Malcolm. I would like you to give us a official health tonic recipe from Vince at some point. That's my request well, to you.
2: If you guys want to have your own official drink, it, it, it will definitely involve turmeric. And if you're familiar with turmeric, it's that sort of... um vibrant orange color that you see in some of the photos of Mm -hmm. the tea that vince and i consume on occasion i i don't know if he uses it because of its antioxidant properties or because it horribly stains the countertops of my kitchen (laughs) and all of the towels and various linens throughout my house i have everything is kind of a a weird saffron stained color now (laughs) as a result of this but it will definitely con- involve some of that. It will involve some coconut oil. Obviously, you have of to, have your, you, you know, you have to seek truth, and the only way to do that is through the the selling and consumption of coconuts. Mm-hmm. Um, there are various. Actually, he was brewing at one point. He he started a commercial operation to brew some sort of health drink called Jun, J U N, I believe. Oh, so it, close. In my, uh, in my kitchen while I had gone away for work for a few days, I came home and there were about 75 bottles laid out all over every available surface. There were pots that were stained with weird foamy residues. He was bottling this stuff. And then at one point, he started getting violently ill because he had drank it. <laughs> and so I decided that it was probably not a good idea for me to consume it. But, you know, Vince is constantly in the laboratory. Vince is not only uh, an explorer of the spiritual realm, but he's also of the biomolecular realm. He's always kind of, he's inventing recipes, uh, potions, different sorts of things to alter your body chemistry in one way or the other. Um, I mean, he makes a mean uh, uh, tri-tip rub, but he'll also come up with some sort of thing if you're having a stomach ache after you eat the tri-tip rubbed in the spice mixture that he's concocted. So he's very multifaceted in his talents in the kitchen. Um, he, he apparently is in the bedroom as well. I've never seen <laughs> get so many responses from women walking down the street. And uh, he's also a, a terrific athlete. He takes me out to the beach for a workout every now and then. He's been actively involved in my preparation and training for this next season. Um, we all know about the hair. I mean, of I, listen. Um, unfortunately, we lost it's, out
0: with him going out so early, didn't we? Like we, as the like the world,
2: no, the universe, the yeah. the cosmos. I I hope we see Vince again, whether on Survivor or just on a show that follows him around.
1: <laughs> don't I I I felt, and I think I said this as soon as he got voted out. Don't you think production was like, damn it, because they had him lined up from what I hear for several seasons. Like he he was just chambered, and they were ready to use him. They finally do, and and he's gone like that.
2: I would go one step further and say there was a no-collar tribe and a white-collar, no-collar, blue-collar season because of Vince.
1: Yeah. I, they probably had to fit him in somehow, because from what I heard, I think it was at least two, maybe even three seasons they'd been hoping to deploy him and never had.
2: I think it was uh, originally, you know, this is a common story with a lot of people. Uh, Blood versus water seasons screw up their casting journey. Mm-hmm. No. Vince was originally going to be a beauty um, and he went through finals, but I don't think he did very well. He he talks of having frozen up in an interview and and kind of feeling like he blew it, but that casting and Lynn Spillman in particular were, you know, they were taken by him. And who is it? Who's seen this guy and doesn't want to learn more about him? Uh, so that the next time around was of course blood versus water. And it's like, Oh, do you have someone? And I think he went through trying, you know, a lot of people went through the process of trying to find someone to play with. I think even Mike Holloway had a similar experience where, you know, he, he had been in the pool and then they said, do you want to play? Can you bring someone else to play with? And either they didn't want to, or they couldn't figure it out. And so they ended up being chambered and, and, you know, uh, Fortunate for all of us, because it worked out really well. I mean, it didn't work out for Vince in that he only lasted two episodes, but mm. I I, tr- I truly do believe that this whole concept is inspired by seeing Vince, just even a photo of him.
0: Yeah. Well, he's, not normally the kind of uh, player that we, we're interested in when you first see it, but as soon as it's like, I got to see this guy on television, and this is the perfect setup for him. Oh, that yeah. said, I'm a little disappointed that it, um, they chose Jeremiah instead of him. Just throw that out there.
2: Yeah, that's interesting. Um, you know, and fun side story, Jeremiah had actually been in casting with me and Tyler for uh Cara Moen. Oh. Hey, that's interesting. I didn't know that one. Yeah.
1: Um as you know, it is Mother's Day weekend coming up, or it is Mother's Day this weekend. So in honor of that Mother's Day, let's play Fuck Mary Kill with these Survivor Moms. No, actually, I'm, I'm <laughs> we're not doing that again. Um, oh, God. <laughs> I did hear that Rob C., though, solicited his mom's opinion on the Season 31 nominees. Yeah. Does your mom have opinions on the Season 31 nominees?
2: Funny you should ask. My mother's favorite Survivor contestant of all time is none other than Terry Dietz. Well, that one I knew. Yes. Uh My mom doesn't just like terry deets she likes terry deets like you like shereen <laughs> like i think there is actually a clause in my parents marital agreement that if terry deets should ever come a knocking my dad has to just it's not even a cuckold situation he has to like high five him and say <laughs> go to town man. have fun buddy uh, have fun buddy and it's actually it, it the, the funny thing is my dad was a terry deets uh he's and he's still alive and um He's had health problems that have uh, caused him to no longer be as active as he once was. But my dad is a um, a former college athlete, All-American lacrosse player, which I think was Terry's background, uh, military background, um, expert golfer, tennis player, and that same sort of hard-driving attitude, and probably would play Survivor in the same way. In other words, let's just win the challenges, and I could care less about anything else having to do with relationships with any of these people. Um, so my mom has a crush on Terry in, insofar as that Terry is the Survivor version of what my dad was in his prime. Uh, who else does my mom like? My mother is also head over heels for Kelly Wigglesworth. Oh. My mom is a, a diehard Survivor fan going back to season one. And she likes to say, she, anytime she's asked, that she watched before I did. And it's actually true. But my mom... Uh, loves kelly wigglesworth and has spoken about her pretty much continuously for the last 15 years as the exemplar of what she likes in a female survivor contestant uh as for the rest of the cast obviously my mother feels dirty 30 pride mm-hmm. uh i don't know if that extends to uh carolyn considering the role she played in my demise and my mother is fiercely loyal Um, I'm trying to think who else my mom likes, you know, my mother just loves Terry so much that there might be a little of extended halo effect on Shane. Uh, I think Panama is actually my mother's favorite season. When she got an iPad, the first thing she had me do was load it up with, uh, Panama, and she watched it in the way that a child watches Toy Story. Like, she would just kind of watch it and then start it over again and start it over again and, like, go to bed watching it and wake up and watch it and be watching it and, like, take it to the bathroom and watch it. She's very into that season. Sari is a favorite of hers as well. So, um... Other than that, I can't see my mom remembering some of the other folks who are in the mix. Maybe some of the more recent people, uh, Woo, Jeremy, uh, you know, Keith, but, but my mom's real favorites are the kind of people that fans like you guys probably don't like. (laughs) (laughs) Which is why, which is why (laughs) when I was out there I said to Joaquin one day, you know what? I'm gonna call it right now. You're gonna be my mom's favorite on this season, <laughs> and and my mom is not gonna like me as a survivor contestant. And how What happens you if you have that? to blindside Terry? Close. If I have to blindside Terry, it'd be like so edipal. <laughs> I don't know. Can you blindside Terry? He just he either he wins the challenge or he doesn't win the challenge, and then you vote him off, right? Isn't that how Terry's Survivor works?
0: Yeah, that, premerge, that... premerge. Yeah, every opportunity to vote on anybody, he'll let you lose. Uh, so, one of yeah you know, your edit suggested that one of the challenges that both you and Shereen faced is that you were just too excited to be on Survivor, and that bothered people. Um, is, do, you, do you think that's uh, something you uh, you
2: you need to tap down the next time out? I didn't really think it was an issue the first time no. around. I felt like that was more a construct of the edit. Yeah. Um, my problem is that I don't really care about people.
1: <laughs> Seems like a big <laughs> problem on a show like Survivor.
2: Yeah, but well, my problem <laughs> is that after I felt like I had a little bit of juice, I was like, all right, I'm going to go off and be by myself. Don't bother me until the next Tribal Council. Uh, that's what I've got to work on. I've got to work on dealing with people I don't like or dealing with people who are different from me and see the world differently and who have different opinions and letting them be right and letting them make decisions even when I think I know the better path. That's what I have to do to win Survivor. Whether or not I like Survivor too much or I'm too vocal about it, that's a red herring. And if I address that in my cast video, it's because I know that that's my edit. And if people are watching mm-hmm. that video, they got to it's got to be relevant to the edit. So, right. I, you know, it, it's it's strange in the way in which we did those uh, those interviews, where, on the one hand, convincing CBS and Probst and SEG to give us one of these slots, because it's not guaranteed at the time. Mm-hmm. More, pe- more people made videos than, than are on this list. It's, in another sense, trying to convince fans to vote for us by playing to what we think their prevailing conception of us is and then trying to alter it by saying, this is what I'll do differently. And then finally, it's trying to, in a sense, put forth an image that your fellow contestants might feel comfortable with. And, you know, you see people in those videos, some of them saying, well, I'm going to do this, 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 and that. Well, thanks for giving us your game <laughs> plan, pal. Like, that's great. Like, oh, okay, so you're going to zag where you used to zig. Um, but, uh, you know... As for this question of being too big a fan, and I'll also preemptively address another question that sort of has been raised in relation to it. Like, what are Max and Shereen going to do when they're out there with a bunch of all-stars? They're just going to geek out even more, and they're going to just be so starstruck. I don't get starstruck at meeting Survivors. Maybe I did the first time I met Cochran and Steven in 2012, but for me at this point, it's old hat. Survivors get starstruck when they meet me. (laughs) Okay? (laughs) They're like, oh yeah, we follow you on Twitter, dude. That's awesome. Love your tweets. Yeah, as it should be. <laughs> and now that I'm a Survivor contestant, and now that I've been on the most recent season, all the more reason why you should be kissing my ass. I have no desire to kiss the ass reality TV contestants. The only time I've ever been starstruck in the in the modern my 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 more recent life in the presence of a Survivor contestant was seeing Parvati on the beach in Nicaragua. And I guarantee you, no matter how jaded you are, no matter how much experience you have with dealing with celebrities, even if you've never watched Survivor before, you don't know who Parvity is, you're going to be starstruck by Parvity because Parvity is a star she exudes a magnetism that is undeniable and whether or not you are gay or straight man or woman survivor fan or non-fan if you have eyes ears mouth nose five senses and you encounter this person you're going to be starstruck you're going to you're going to be captivated by her but in terms of like if i get out there with some of these folks who i've watched play before like well i'm not going to give away anything but yeah, I've been in some of these people's houses. Like, you know, some of these people have been in my house. You know, it's not that big a deal for me. I've been hanging out in the survivor family. Uh, I've been sort of, you know, graciously welcomed into it even before I was on the show. You know, I've been attending finale parties with survivors since 2012. You know, I've been <laughs> breaking bread with the penners for many years now. It's, it's like none of this is anything that is going to shake me or throw me off my game. Um, what shakes me or throws me off my game is when I'm out there with a bunch of people and they say, I'm a diehard Survivor fan, I've watched every season, and I say, oh, are you a big fan of uh Rob is a Podcast and you know Rob and Steven? And they're like, who's Rob? Who's Steven? Yep. <laughs> that There's sort of thing throws me of off fan. my game. That sort of thing throws me off my game. And I'm not even saying like, oh, do you remember uh, Morgan from Guatemala? I'm, I'm saying like, do you remember Rob and Steven, two of the most iconic characters in their seasons, if not in the entire show's history, who have massive secondary media profiles dedicated to the commentary they offer on what's ostensibly your favorite show that you self-identify as a major fan of?
0: Right. Yeah, and that shouldn't be an issue because I think every single one of them will be talking to Rob in the next few days, so you're good
2: there. <laughs> and I think they all will know who Steven is, too.
0: Yes. they might, If they don't, they might have a chance at meeting him. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Actually, my follow-up question was just, yeah, you talked about how it was difficult dealing with these people twenty-four-seven. Is that something you think you can do more easily, or is that just always going to be a struggle for you?
2: Uh, it depends. Um, you know, looking at this list of people, I don't know all of them. I know some of them. I, you know, I've obviously watched all of their seasons, but I see some people in there who I can imagine not only, uh, playing with, and, and, enjoying playing with, but just whose company that I, that I know I either do enjoy or would enjoy. Mm-hmm. And that really makes a difference. You know, it, it ultimately backfired to me, but having Shireen out there was great for my sanity, having someone who I liked, I genuinely liked. And Tyler as well. You know, I, I, by the end of, of my time, uh, on White Collar, excuse me, I was quite affectionate toward Joaquin too. He is a sweetheart and one of the most, fun people to hang out with that you'll ever encounter um that said it's more a challenge going into this season knowing that i might have to vote out someone who i genuinely like than Mm -hmm. it is going into this season and worrying about are these people going to get on my nerves you know there are people who i'm going to be out there with obvious examples but also examples that aren't so obvious people who i consider to be friends and I know that whatever sort of psychological trauma people experience playing survivor in a newbie season is nothing compared to the wounds that one can incur when playing returning player survivor. I mean, look at the, 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 the kind of lines that were drawn in the wine and cheese alliance when Francesco oh. took it out first. We, those bitter, brutal Twitter wars that took place back then and the sort of lasting repercussions of those wars uh, th- those had shockwaves through the entire survivor community and i don't doubt that similar things will happen this time because a people are friends pre-existing relationships are there you know you can do those weird sorts of six degrees and you can be like well brad's monica's husband and monica played with sabrina and sabrina is friends with and she lives in new york and she's wine and cheese and you know eliza's wine and cheese and eliza played you know you could trace out all these relationships people are going to have pre-existing um rapports with one another they're going to have relationships they're going to know each other and then they're all playing super hard i mean i'm hoping there are no people in this pool who are just content to make like fifth place money (laughs) like hopefully we're all going out for the right reason we're not going out to get invited to play again Third, third chances season? I don't think that's going to happen. We're going out to win a million dollars. And that means I might have to vote out someone who I've already said in this podcast that I love.
1: Well, I hope you will sell out anyone and everyone necessary for a stack of greenbacks. Of course. Just as Boston and, Rob once
2: did. Exactly.
0: And really, the, the best chance to come back would probably be winning the whole thing at this point, right?
2: Uh, you you coming back for a third time? Yes. Oh come on, please! I mean, no one should play Survivor three times, let alone four. <laughs>
1: well, <laughs> don't tell that to Andy, the Boston Rob fan here. Oh. Uh, <laughs> you know, you talked about friendships outside the game, and I saw that Jenna Marbles endorsed Spencer and Cass, but not you. Well, were you hurt by that? I have I sworn that you and Jay Marb were tight.
2: I thought all that time we spent in Nicaragua together that that would have meant something.
1: I, I, I was just as hurt as you were. I was hurt
2: for you. God damn it. I didn't even know.
1: Hell <laughs> oh, no. Just
2: thanks for recording
1: tonight. Oh, well, well, no. I, I'm, I'm I'm the one breaking this news to you? Yeah. I feel so bad. I'm well, sorry. I
2: do have that. support on YouTube. It's not Jenna Marbles, but I actually got hooked up with some guys who are huge Survivor fans who've got a great YouTube channel called Man TV. Uh, Adam, Nick, and Nolan. they are uh Adam, in particular, is a diehard Survivor fan, plays orgs. POSer. He is out and amongst the community, but he is also uh, on this YouTube channel that has like 175,000 subscribers. So a couple of days ago, we shot a video together where I put them through the paces of a Survivor Challenge, and they have been asking their fan base to vote for me, and I've seen this tremendous bump of uh, teenage girls who probably have no idea who I am, little what Survivor is, who have been sending in screen caps of voting for me because they are in love with these three cute young YouTube sensation guys who have been so kind as to get behind my campaign. So, you know, at this point I'll take a vote wherever I can get it. I mean, this is like, this is like the definition of being a whore. (laughs) Like, I mean, the, 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 the things that the, 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 the lows that I have sunk to in the interest of getting a single vote in this thing. I can't take for granted a single vote. I had an edit that did not recommend me for coming back to play Survivor. I've already established that. But I can win votes by proving to people, A, that I do have a game, and B, that you want to see someone out there who plays hard, who is a fan, who cares about the game, who respects the game, who wants to give it its due. and. You know, I, I think I can win people over by doing stuff like this, by getting a chance to finally talk about my experience, about why I was out there, what I did, why I want to come back, and letting people know I'm more than just Survivor Rain Man or, you know, Drew Christie, Ph.D.
1: I will lobby Jenna Marbles very hard in, on your behalf.
2: Thank you. Jenna, if you're listening to this, and I know you listen to this. Yes, she's a big let's, fan. Let's be Let's be square here. You want this little hairless version of Max or do you want the full mature adult confident patient generous gentle gifted, lover gifted patient Can, did I say patient hairy manly masculine version you you you've had boys before but you've never had a man <laughs>
1: Wow, okay, so all you shippers out there. <laughs> Jenna Marble. Jenna Marble shippers. Jenna Marble shippers. Go. Uh, what and- He shipped with Cass. Oh, is, is she the next target for the shipping crowd?
2: I don't know, I mean, wouldn't that be fun? Sure, why not.
0: Everything uh, involving Cass is a little bit
1: fun. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty true. Uh, llama, llama noises got shouted out in at least two different videos. Really? I, Barner, and then there was one other one, and I can't remember who it was off the top of my head. It might have been Cassius Horseshoe. Jeff Barner
2: hired someone from RHAP to tell him what to say.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, I feel like he's been lurking on the internet for the past 15 years waiting for his shot.
2: I'm just going to come out and say it. I love Jeff Barner, and maybe I just put a big target on on my back, or on my back and Jeff's back. Ship me and Jeff Barner. I love that guy. (laughs) I'm so excited. No, I mean, I don't know how you guys feel about this list overall. And I'm sure that, you know, being Survivor fans and being members of communities like Reddit, we're prone to grumble, right? Oh, this sucks. Why why was Dave Ball on there? I wanted Greg Buis. I didn't want this. Anyone but Max. Max should give up a spot. Um, I look at this as like, this is deep cut. Like, these are people who, this is a list that's created for the most part for fans, Right.
1: I mean there was there's a little too heavy of a recency bias in there, but at the What's same wrong time with
2: recency bias. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah I'm just hey, say that. What you
0: guys think, what you last saw must be obvious.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Um I mean who are you guys most excited about present company present season company excluded?
1: Yeah, I was gonna say there there's obviously two very clear ones for me. Um I think The best, uh, you know, it's kind of a toss-up for me. I like Shane, uh, Savage, Wigglesworth, just because, I mean, how can you not get nostalgic seeing Kelly Wigglesworth again 15 years later? Uh, Those would probably be near the top of my list. What about you, Andy? Uh,
0: My list mostly consists of people who will agree to be on this podcast. (laughs) Uh, But no, I'm with you. I've I've always... uh, I was entertained by Jeff Varner in Australia, and it felt like that was one of the bigger losses that he went home with a terrible rule, which they later refined to a perfect rule with involving purple rocks. But mm. um, so yeah, Varner. Uh, I, I'm interested in seeing PG. I am, um, but I'm also uh, I'm okay with a little bit of recency bias. I'm okay with us picking some of these you know great characters from recent seasons because. You know, some of the older seasons, we already got the cream of the crop. Um, yeah. So I, I, think it's a good mix. I think there are some good deep polls for the fans. I think there's some, you know, more obvious choices like, you know, a Steven Fishback or Sierra Easton or something like that. Uh, and I like that they force people to vote 10. Because then we can't just be like, I'm just voting for the five people I just saw or I'm only voting for the people I remember back when 50 million people were watching. You, yeah. you pretty much always have to mix it up.
2: I feel like that's really benefiting me. Recency bias plus you have to vote for ten. Plus I'm at the bottom, and if you haven't picked ten, it's grayed out. <laughs> and, and and I know because I do it myself. Sometimes I'm voting and I'm like, shit, I gotta pick another person. Like who the I don't I don't know. Like, pick that one. Whatever. I just want to click vote next so I can vote for myself again. Um so I feel like there's that, I hope there are lazy voters who are just going to say, well, I've got my eight who I like, and there are those two dirty 30 guys at the bottom. I recognize them. Vote for them.
1: Sure, why not? They were on my TV last week. Let's pick them.
2: And, or six weeks ago. Well. Oh, <laughs> Don't Aww. make me sad again.
0: You're still in the group, shot of the opening credits of The White Collar, right? I don't know. I don't really pay attention
2: to <laughs> Yeah, I am. That's uh, So, yeah, I, I actually am on TV. Yeah, look at that. Yeah.
0: So, uh, as a fan, um,
2: who would you who have me?
0: liked to have... Yes,
2: for instance.
0: I, I talk to John all the time, or talk at John sometimes. Um, who, who didn't make the list uh, that you would have liked to have seen?
2: Well, obviously, everyone's response at first was, where's Greg Buis? Uh, yes. <laughs> and, and I didn't think for a second that Greg Buis was actually in serious contention. Not that Greg Buis isn't the the... the holy grail of every survivor fans you know at the top of our all of our wish lists
1: to be fair he's right up he's he's tied because colleen's there too
2: i guess yes colleen if colleen still exists who knows yes yeah.
1: could she's just, moby dick, we, dick at this point she vanished exactly. into the ether somewhere but were she still <laughs> out there somewhere they would want her back
2: um so i don't think greg has any interest in coming back i think he would have come back already um I know for a fact that Greg is beloved and that they would do anything, anything to have him back. I have no doubt about that. So I think the ball is in Greg's court and I think Greg's court is chained up and shut down and I think he's moved on a long time ago. Um, That said, I don't want to speak for him. I have no expertise. I haven't seen Greg since before he was on Survivor. Um, you know we graduated and we went separate ways and didn't stay in touch so who knows uh, I do know that he's the sort of guy who creates his own path and is not one to probably look back with nostalgia and think about trying to recapture old glory um, in terms of people who I would have liked to see on this list oh god um you know there are a lot of people who I'm really pleased are on this list but I don't really want to talk about people who are on the list too much, because I might be playing Survivor with some of them. Exactly. Uh, People who aren't on the list. Uh, Let me just at least try to come up with uh, a few folks who I would really like to see. Uh... You know, I I I am I'm clamoring for that Bob Dog Bruce yes. guy season. Yeah. You know, uh Bobs versus Bruce's or or whatever or, you know. I'm looking for a tribe made up of all people who were removed for the game for the reason of bowel obstructions. So <laughs> Jerry from Token Sheens, Colton, uh, Bob, uh Bruce, other people who just, you know, who could as Shereen says, you won't poop if you don't try. <laughs> and these are people who tried but couldn't poop still. So I I mean like I don't know. Um, you know, Cowboy would be amazing. People probably uh speculate a lot about how fun it would be to see him come back. Shambo obviously is the top of everyone's list, but we know that that's very unlikely. Um Dave Ball, I mean, how many people's dreams were crushed when Dave Ball in his very revealing AMA said, "I don't think it's ever going to happen again because I didn't play ball with production."
1: That was an amazing I, AMA, by the way.
2: And I Every time I, I talked about this the other day with somebody in another podcast and I can't not say Dave Ball didn't play ball with production. <laughs> I guess it's because his game isn't ball, it's making love. But, uh, he made love with production. And, and I mean, like, who wouldn't, who's a, who amongst the diehard survivor fan community, people who know who Stephen Fishback is, wouldn't go completely bonkers to see Dave Ball have a season, not only where he gets to come back, but where Russell isn't there, <laughs> in any other season, Dave Ball is the star of, uh, if not the star, he is the, the, the second lead. He is, ama- especially going as deep as he went, he is a major force within that season. So, you know, that's, that's somewhere where we all were shortchanged. Um, I'm trying to think. Who else? Who else? You know, I've always Anybody been terrified.
0: Anybody from Guatemala?
2: Brian Corridon. Yes. Brian Corden deserves a second shot. Brian Corden is a great guy. Uh, Brian Corden is in the same sort of, I think, casting mold as a Fishback and, uh, Spencer and, uh, me. And unfortunately, three Ivy League or UC educated, mouthy white males is enough for one season. Um, yeah, but, yeah, the, the, there was talk about would Cindy be one of the people under consideration, I think. Um, or, or was that me just having a a fantasy
1: no i I think uh, well, I don't think she was ever on the official leaked list or the unofficial leaked list.
2: yeah, and the thing about the unofficial leaked list, Redmond is amazing in his ability to compile information that is simultaneously so accurate and and so completely inaccurate with respect to Greg Buis, where it's like fan fiction and reality collide, but you know, uh, shout out to Redmond. Um, throughout this entire process, I relied on Redmond for information <laughs> about what was happening to me because he seemed to have it before I did. Um, and, and Redmond is a good spoiler. Redmond is Redmond knew he knew everything from a very early point and was smart enough and kind enough and benevolent enough to not release the name of the season thirty people. And I really respect and appreciate that. Redmond is somebody who only deals in cast spoilers, and he does so in a way that's respectful of not only the players, but also the game itself.
1: So obviously we've been following you on Twitter since well before you even were on Survivor, but I I think even we were late to the game, you know, after we started our Twitter account. So tell us how you got involved in the Survivor community, because you were already clearly a part of it when we joined it.
2: I have been... Tweeting about Survivor for almost as long as I've had Twitter. I think I joined Twitter in 2007, and at first I didn't really know what to do with it, but shortly thereafter I realized that a fun thing to do was to comment on the show while I was watching it. And from there, things sort of snowballed, whereby I not only got a chance to meet or or interact with people who were on the show, but I also came to know and befriend a number of other Die Hard Survivor fans who were also following the show and engaging with one another and contestants via Twitter. Uh, so probably around the time I started teaching my class, maybe a little earlier, a sort of core group of fans started coming together that I was interacting with. Um, and that consisted of people like Jeff Pittman, Trudor Times. It consisted of people who were actually uh, working in in the media, journalists like Andy Dennert from Reality Blurred. It, it consisted of people like Renee Herrera and Rob's Taboo Buzzer, uh, Jessica Frey from the Rob, has a, and Laura Holzwasser from the Rob has a podcast community. Some of the previously on Survivor people, when they heard about my class, they invited me to join. So David Healy, Carl Hageman, and uh, Big Mike Albright, Russ Bartlett, those folks, Um and then there were people who were blogging, Sarah Freeman, uh, who was doing great work and now uh, is doing it at uh at Rob's website, Andy Baker, he of the tinfoil buff, um Lisa Ferreira, mom of Kai of Lego Recap, Hold Up Bro Fame. Um so many people who sort of shared this enthusiasm for Survivor Uh, Colin Stone and Dom from the Dom and Colin podcast, even people from other reality shows like Ian Terry from Big Brother. And I kind of formed this group of, of really good friends who became a big part of my life. Of course, we all lived in different cities and we rarely got a chance to see each other. But when I moved out to Los Angeles in 2012, or excuse me, 2013, one of the first things I did after getting here was to throw a big party for the Survivor Karamoan finale, and that's when I met many of these people for the first time. And from that point on, just started having these these relationships with other Survivor fans that took place online, but that also extended into real life. So that you know, I've gone down to Jeff Pittman's house and had a pool party with. Him and, uh, uh, Jessica Frey, who was the, uh, the, the super producer of Rob as a Podcast for years, and a bunch of other Survivor fans, and it's been the coolest thing. It's been this great, uh, you know, before there was the Dirty 30, there was this group of fans that I felt really connected to, and who shared my love for Survivor, and who I love to share my experiences with. I really enjoyed, for instance, when I was teaching my class at Northwestern. I had access to all this great stuff, and most of it still has not seen the light of day outside of some of my closest survivor friends. But you know, I have like hours of interviews with people like uh, you know Jonathan Penner and Rob Cisternino, Cochran and Fishback, Kelly Goldsmith from Africa, people who came to my class and uh, either participated in challenges against my students, like when Colton. Destroyed all of my class in a survivor trivia contest. <laughs> or who, uh, you know, just like showed up and and did interviews via Skype or in person. Uh, twice we had Richard Hatch, twice we had Yao Man, we had RC, we had Sarah Dawson, uh, we had Scoopin. That one actually is available on YouTube. If you, if you look it up, you can see a very long, uh, class that features Scoopin fielding questions and talking about his experience in Australia and the Philippines. But for me, the greatest thing about first teaching the class and now being on the show has been to share my experiences with other people who love Survivor as much as me. And, you know, that's fans like the people who I named before. It's fans like you guys. It's fans like Shereen and Mike Holloway and Tyler. I mean, I just love having this thing that brings me together with people who I wouldn't normally otherwise get to interact with. Like, what universe do Mike Holloway and I interact in? (laughs) Right. Uh, uh, An evangelical Christian directional driller who cannot go a day without wearing an article of clothing, without the word or the flag or the shape of the state of Texas on it, (laughs) who spends his time dipping and playing disc golf, somehow through our mutual love of Survivor, has become one of my best friends. Didn't even get a chance to play with him for a day but somehow the fact that he loves this show as much as me and it means as much to him as it does to me has brought us together. And that's something magical. That's something exciting. And that's something that this season 31 second chances thing is really making even more exciting. Because not only am I getting a chance to possibly play the game again, but I am taking part in what somebody on Reddit today said is probably the best time ever to be a Survivor fan
1: and I think that's probably true. I I mean, it's really, everything's coming together. There's like a community building up. There's a lot more ways to interact. There's just a lot more things going on with Survivor.
2: Between all of the amazing podcasts, obviously are hap being the trailblazer and Mm -hmm. being the sort of like beacon that has brought together this community in a really coherent way. But then the astounding quality of the other smaller podcasts that exist including the one that I am currently appearing on. But like you can go through your week doing nothing but listening to Survivor podcasts, watching the show, reading amazing recaps that analyze things from strategic elements, character development elements, from the the standpoint of race relations or gender relations. You can see a recap that's done entirely in Lego minifigs. Then you could go on Reddit, and currently there are like a half dozen threads that were started by aspiring players. Jonathan Penner is going to do an AMA on Reddit in the next couple of days. I just set this up. It's like complete Survivor hog heaven overload right now. We're mm-hmm. still in the middle of a season. We're going through the hoopla of the casting process for season 31. And for the first time in the show's history, fans can watch the casting process in real time. You can see what it's like or check in with me or with any of the other people going through this process and know what it's like to get ready to conceivably tie up all of the loose ends in your life, to cancel your cable, to get a cat sitter or to get Vince to babysit your cats, to tell your job you're going away for seven weeks, to hit the gym like an animal, to eat like a machine, to practice puzzles until your brain is bleeding, Like, all of this can now, for the first time, be shared. We don't have to keep this a secret. Having had to keep this a secret, first for Karamoan, second for Kageyan, and third for Worlds Apart, I can say it is so painful to not be able to share the excitement that one feels when one is on the cusp of potentially playing Survivor. But now, we all can enjoy this. Everyone who loves Survivor Please relish these next two weeks and pray that this happens again in the future because this might be the pinnacle of Survivor fans' experiences. This is going to be the time where everything that you ever wanted, the AMAs, the access to the players, the insight into casting, the actual involvement in selecting the final 20 people who are going to get to play, I'm like getting excited just thinking about it, not even considering for a fact For a second, the fact that I'm one of the people who might be going to play.
1: And now you've got people who are going to be, like, cheering alongside you and feeling your pain if you don't get voted on, like... We're all going through it with you, basically. It's, it's, it's a fun process. I feel
2: like most of the people out there, for me in particular, are just hoping to see it end horribly for me. You know, there's, there are <laughs> already, like, there are people who are waiting at their computer to isolate and gif the footage of me finding out that I didn't get on, and that, like, their entire existence is leading up to that moment, but, uh.
1: You, you're on Reddit too much. Go to uh, our site. It's a safe place.
2: It's a safe, for I, I, I need to go to a safe no, I, you know, listen, Tumblr, that is, I, I cannot not acknowledge Tumblr. If you are a Survivor fan who likes positivity, happiness, and beautiful young people who just have this kind of untarnished, non-cynical attitude about Survivor in the world, go to Tumblr, because that is where all of those people reside, creating amazing GIFs, playing orgs, and just loving the crap out of some Survivor.
1: And you actually, I think this is a huge selling point for you because you mentioned, and I knew this, that you were going to help set up the Penner AMA. This is one of the reasons that super fan community should be voting for you. Because you will help get these other players involved. I, I honestly think, and you can tell me if I'm right on this, I think you helped get most of your cast involved in social media. Like, I don't know that Mike Holloway necessarily takes a huge interest in Twitter if you don't bring him on and show him the ropes and get him involved?
2: Uh, I don't want to take too much credit, um, but I did play an active role in teaching most of the people who were not familiar with social media about how to use it. I mean, I, I, I definitely had nights where I got calls from Nina late at night where she was saying, like, I think my Twitter account has been hacked. I clicked on a link that said enter your credit card here. Oh, God. I, I mean, like, you know, in Dirty 30, the Facebook group, which is the, the origin of the horrific moniker that has become our tongue-in-cheek branding calling card, um, I've posted, like, extensive dossiers on who to avoid and how to not get catfished and, you know, like, <laughs> What's a hashtag? And all this different stuff. And, you know, the one thing I will take credit for is I flat out told every single person in our cast, the social media ban is bullshit, and if we all completely ignore it, there's nothing they can do to us. (laughs) And we technically were under, you know, there's a lot of question out there. I'm here to set the record straight. Our contract stipulated we were not allowed to even acknowledge that we were on survivor <laughs> on social media. Do you think for a second that it would have been possible for me to adhere to that? That is the most <laughs>
1: counterintuitive strategy. Why would you want people to not get excited about your television show?
2: Well, I'll tell you, the the main reason as far as I understand it is that there is still a population of subliterate cretins who watch Survivor and think it's happening in real time. Oh god! Now well, they're not going to be on social media anyway, so who cares? <laughs> they don't understand the internet. Granted, those people, if they, you know, happen, and your, to your point, they probably don't. But if they happen to stumble across an exit interview the next day, wouldn't it be surprising to find out that? You know, wow, Tyler looked really skinny when he came out of the game, but today he looks really healthy and robust once again. He I, I wonder had a
1: lot yesterday.
2: In the yeah, in the flight back from Nicaragua, he must have really pounded on some carbs and some put some protein in. Um I I don't know. It, it it's the most backwards counterintuitive nose despite the face baby with the bathwater insert your uh, cliche of choice here strategy. And uh, you know, if I want to say that I was successful in anything in this round of Survivor, it was proving to the world that we can be on Survivor, uh, we could be on Survivor, then we could go on social media and not spoil the season.
1: Yeah, and I think it, for me as a fan, and it felt like this in Kagayan too, like, it's fun to watch the interactions between various Survivor players that you're rooting for, or, or rooting against in some cases, and like just i remember in the beginning of kagayan before i think maybe even like the second episode had aired already cass and tony and spencer were just going at it constantly and i'm thinking ah this is bullshit this is fake they're they're trying to throw us off something and it and wild conspiracy theories start floating and then you know you get to the end of the season you realize it didn't matter it was just entertaining the whole time and that's all i want from this show
2: yeah i mean Survivor is a little like pro wrestling when it's done well, whereby the rivalries are bitter and hard fought in the ring, but then you know afterwards honky tonk man and Hulk Hogan go out for a, a bar uh go out to a bar and, and and share a beer and and you know like kick back and and they're friends you know because they left it in the ring um the worst survivor seasons are i i have a theory are the ones in which there is this kind of bitter venom that seeps back into the show and influences our interpretation of what we're seeing on the screen when people are, uh, you know, violently attacking each other uh, on social media. And the fact that the Dirty 30, uh, like or despise the moniker has managed to be active on social media in the midst of a season that has featured so much negativity <laughs> and near kind of violent abuse uh, it's indicative of an attitude that I don't think we've seen a lot of before and it's the attitude of putting the game before our own egos now granted not all 18 of us have managed to do that and some of us have been traumatized so much by our experiences out there that we shouldn't be expected to sit by quietly as these things go on but for the most part we've seen this tremendous unified response by the group whereby we've said Let's make the emphasis be on celebrating this amazing show, this amazing game. And, and you know, think about Mike, who's gone from zero to like 150,000, Jeff, 150,000 on Twitter, um, you know, the degree to which he, it's almost like he has a checklist like Big Mike Albright of every Survivor contestant who's ever been. I don't know if you guys know Big Mike, one of the moderators of previously on Survivor has met somewhere in the neighborhood of 390, 400 survivors out of the total of 475 or something like that and, and sort of has it as a life goal to meet and take a photo with everyone. I think Mike has the same sort of goal <laughs> with respect to Twitter where like Mike <laughs> has to interact with every single person and it comes out of, one, Mike Holloway is a human Labrador retriever. He's the I best. Mean, he, that, that's just him um if mike holloway had been the first boot he would still be doing this (laughs) and the fact that he's still in the game doesn't impact what he's doing one bit bit whatsoever but it's the labrador retriever element of his personality and it's the love of survivor you know i remember before the season started mike said to me like are we gonna actually get to meet survivors (laughs) and i said mike you're a survivor now you're one of them and now look at what his life is, you know, you, you see the pictures, you see the tweets, and it's like a kid getting to meet the, you know, the lineup of the sports team that he's rooted for since he was in footy pajamas. You know, for, for Mike, you know, meeting some of these people is the fulfillment of a lifelong dream. And it's amazing to see that enthusiasm, that kind of love for the game that's typically reserved for super fans actually, in so many of the people who are on this season.
1: And it's been an absolute joy to watch.
2: Yeah, I mean, truthfully, maybe if the season hasn't lived up to the hype that I myself am guilty of building up around it, can we at least concede that it's been entertaining as hell to watch the Dirty 30 on social media?
1: Oh, definitely. I mean, you easily have the social media crown among the recent seasons.
0: Yeah, I actually, uh, kinda of almost put like, I think you guys sold us out even more than Jeff Prost did. Yeah. <laughs> he hyped the season, but you guys really tricked us. It's like, wow, this must be the greatest fun season. They all love each other. It's like, and then you watch, it's like, are these the
2: same people that were hanging out everywhere every day? Yeah, and, and, the, you know, obviously the excitement of the commencement of the season probably washed away a lot of the ill feelings that were then re-exposed by the you know the airing of them well yeah by by <laughs> by seeing people not only say horrible things to your face but then seeing the confessionals in which they reiterated how terrible they thought you were um I, but at the same time i think a lot of these people i think that the reunion which is 2 weeks away less than 2 weeks away oh my god i can't believe it a survivor of 2 weeks um it's gonna be another cause for celebration. And I'm not saying that there won't be issues, that it's not gonna be a minefield when Will and Shereen and Dan all get in the same place. But, you know, I'm, Mike Holloway's coming in, into Los Angeles in a couple of days, people. If you're in LA, watch out because the, the fun meter is about to go into the red.
1: <laughs> I, I demand another uh, Vine or Instagram, well I guess it was on Instagram, but another video with
2: Mike Holloway. Oh, the, I, I there think I watched so it much, on a
1: loop probably fifty times.
2: There is so much more that we shot that day, uh, I've, I've, much of which can't be shown. But, no. <laughs> but yeah, uh. that's the thing. Like, I, listen, Vince and I do periscopes. Um, mm-hmm. Tyler and I did a periscope the other day. I mean, we've talked about for a long time how great it would be if we were to do Dirty Thirty reads, mean tweets. I mean. <laughs> I actually might steal that from my campaign, though. Listen, Survivor is fun. And yeah. as much as I disagreed with Jen when she said people are taking it too seriously... I Listen, Jen, we're taking it seriously because we're also trying to win a million dollars. This is That's serious business. But it's fun to be on Survivor. And it's fun to watch yourself and your friends. Even after you get voted out. I have so much fun getting together with Tyler on the regular and watching him watch himself. Or getting together with Will and seeing Will's family and friends respond to when he's got a great confessional or when he flops down the ramp on that challenge. You know, when you have some skin in the game, it makes it so much more exciting. But by the same token, with social media being the way it is right now, with the accessibility, with the degree to which you can be tweeting with your favorite survivor, you can be following them on Snapchat or looking at their Instagram it's almost like the the boundaries have really been just done away with. And obviously it's not like you're going to have Vince sleeping on your couch or, you know, Mike Holloway riding shotgun in your car on the way to the beach, but you're kind of there with us, especially with the Dirty 30, because as many people have pointed out, it's almost as if we can't have fun without proving it to everyone else that we're having fun. Isn't
0: that the point of social media, though?
2: Yeah, I mean, the point of social media is that life otherwise without social media, it's, it's fairly drab. You know, you you go to work, you scoop out the cat box, you go to the gym, you go to the grocery store, you see your friends, you do your activities, maybe you have children, I don't know a thing about that. Apparently it's something that people are doing these days. But then you have social media and suddenly your world becomes larger and you get to interact with other people, and you get to indulge a little bit of your narcissistic tendencies or your voyeuristic tendencies in a kind of safe and, for the most part, healthy way. And so social media, I think, is a great enhancement to life, and it's especially a great enhancement to reality TV because it, it's one of these things that just kind of makes you feel more a part of the show and actually lets the people who are on the show to feel more a part of the audience who's cheering them on.
0: What do you think it is about Survivor in particular that inspires this level of interest and devotion amongst its fans? Because like I watch a bunch of television, generally all the prestige shows. I'm not podcasting about any of it. I'm not going on social media. I'm not doing those other things. Like I have other interests. I am a well rounded person. I imagine this is true of yourself as well. But something about Survivor just kind of make leads to obsessiveness.
2: Uh you know, Survivor is a little bit like great drama. Um, it's a little bit like sports. You can be a, a Jeff Pitman type and compile box scores and be a you know moneyball like statistician who studies the numbers game. or you could be a person like me who's interested in it from the standpoint of character development and storytelling, the kind of penner approach. Or you could be involved like Colin Stone, you know the, the host of the diamond Colin podcast who comes at it from a game theory or a gambling and poker background and looks at everything through the lens of strategy and odds and outcomes. There are so many different ways into Survivor. You know, you can be the sort of person who just watches it because you think Joe is pretty, you know, <laughs> or you could be like Tim LeMaster and just watch it because it's oh. it's uh, like seeing girls in bathing suits getting skinnier and skinnier before your eyes over the course of 13 weeks. Whatever it is, there are many avenues into this show. Now, then there is the actual show itself, which is by far the best produced reality show that has ever been. I mean, there's no question about it from the standpoint of the way Survivor is shot and edited its host, the music. I mean god the music in in a podcast I recorded the other day with Snakes Rats and Goats one of the hosts is a composer and he went on and on about how the survivor music department the the choice of subtle stings the cues that they use like the amount of respect he has for the work they do and everybody loves the survivor theme and loves the way that music is is integrated within the the what we would call the diegesis in a radio television and film school um but the 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 degree to which survivor is made by the best people in the business reflects on the screen you know you don't get a show this good if the people who make it aren't as good as they are and then the final element is that that kind of core human component of the Robinson Crusoe fantasy you know the back to nature what would happen to me if i shipwrecked on a beach would i survive how would i get by would i recreate society in the image of what i left behind or would i do something different would would my true self be the hero or would i be the villain you know who would i be in that situation and it, it, anyone can get fascinated by that by that query
1: yeah i think there's just so many different possible levels to appreciate the show and there are certainly as Andy and i often say there are some people who watch it wrong, but that's oh, yeah. okay because at least they watch it.
2: Yeah. No, I mean, that's something that I have found, you know, to be painfully evident is that there are not only are people who watch Survivor wrong, but there are many more of them than there are who watch <laughs> it right. Before we wrap up, can mm-hmm. we just talk about one thing? This yeah. is something that I've brought up in other contexts. I don't believe I've ever talked about it on a podcast before, but it's something I'm very obsessed with. I'm sure you guys watched the program Community, right? Mm Hmm. Okay. So you're familiar with the the episode, the Chaos Theory episode with the multiple timelines. Yes.
1: Darkest timeline.
2: Are we in the darkest timeline, given that there is a timeline, or multiple timelines perhaps, in which Russell Hance appears on the second season of Pirate Master, thereby sparing us his influence upon Survivor Samoa, Heroes vs. Villains, Redemption Island, the appearance of Brandon Hance on Survivor South Pacific and Survivor Karamoan, the uttering of the phrase, the Arthur of my own fate, (laughs) the short-lived A&E reality series, Flipping Hance or Flipping Out or whatever it is, all of the Twitter wars. Is there a timeline in which Russell Hance played that other show and none of this happened. Survivor probably... Maybe Survivor was canceled. Who knows? But what what happens if Russell does not come out and dominate Samoa and Heroes versus Villains the way he did?
1: Wasn't he originally brought out by Boo?
2: Well, yeah. I mean, so blame it on Boo.
1: Cut, yeah, we should cut back all the way to Boo. <laughs> if we get rid of this is, Boo, this yeah, never Yeah, it's is what what happens. like
2: a, a time-traveling... uh action-adventure story where you have to go into the past to weed out the source of all evil, and the first thing gets to go back and to get uh, Pirate Master renewed, and then you realize, no, it's everything having to do with Lafayette, which means if we go out and get rid of Boo, then we also got rid of Shannon Elkins and Gravedigger James. So think about all of the different branching possibilities that could take place if we were to go out with the intention of removing the Hanses from Survivor.
0: I almost feel like the timeline would reassert itself. So even if Russell Hans appears on Pirate Master, they still bring him back. Like, you know, they just, they showed that they were willing to finally dip into, uh, the Big Brother casting pool or, oh. uh, a mating race. So I, I almost think that Russell Hance is eternal. It was always going to happen.
2: Yeah, that would be really weird if they started bringing Pirate Master people onto Survivor. There are actually some. There was a guy on Pirate Master season one whose job designation was um, rocket scientist slash exotic dancer, <laughs> or something along those lines. But it's a great show. Maybe, yeah. maybe time to do a Pirate Master rewatch. Pirate <laughs> Master and a Kid Nation rewatch. Come on, let's go back. Let's go back to some of the darker moments in the history of CBS reality. Oh, how long yeah, the little girl be from Kid
0: Nation that, like, always told everybody to deal with it. She's got to be
1: old enough for Survivor soon, I, right? That's oh. where I was leading with this. Yes, Please. She's going to be on Survivor
2: at some T- point. Taylor for Survivor yes. Season 33.
1: And then they got to bring Christian
0: Aoki from uh, Pirate Master. Is he still alive, actually? I'm not sure. But uh, he's <laughs> the only player <laughs> I remember because he's <laughs> the NFL.
2: Come on. And the, there was a guy who looked exactly like Rupert.
0: Well, of course there was. They, well, they, come on. He is the
2: pirate, right? I mean, yeah. Oh, boy. So this has really gone off the rails at this point, guys. <laughs> I'm sorry. Feel free to cut out any of the last two and a half hours of this podcast. I, I mean, I don't even remember what we came here to talk about. We came here to talk about, yes, I am in the running for Survivor Season 31. And if you have managed to make it to the end of this podcast... You are probably very, very sick and or sad, which means you don't have anything else to do but register fake accounts and vote for me. So I'm really hopeful that if you are there, you've reached this point and we've broken down your last remaining psychological barriers to completely submitting yourself to our mind control tactics. And now we'll pretty much just exist as if uh, a brain connected to a hand connected to a keyboard with the rest of the body just withered away and essentially flushed down the toilet, transformed us into a voting machine that takes in no nutrients, that puts out no excrement, that simply lives to vote Max Dawson back onto Survivor.
1: You truly are a wonderful cult leader, I must say. Listen. This
0: is what scared everybody away from you. Oh, no! (laughs)
2: sip the juice
0: <laughs> two and a half hours of trying not to scare off your potential uh, fellow contestants and it was all down the drain right there
2: oh boy if you only knew actually side note interesting side note one of the things i did to prepare myself for playing survivor the first time was read widely in the history of american cults and cult leaders <laughs> <laughs> and when i when joaquin one day came back from a confessional and said who's Jim Jones? (laughs) They're asking me about Max being like Jim Jones and drinking the Kool-Aid. I thought to myself, mission accomplished. Nailed it.
0: All right. Well, we want to thank you for being on the show. And yes, uh, obviously John endorses you. Um, (laughs) There's been a couple posts about that, but I also do as well, because as you said, like, um, you are a part of the Survivor fan community and I do think there is maybe some jealousy out there as you become the chosen one, but you haven't sold out yet. You still hang out with fans. You hang out with, you know, our friend uh, Emma every once in a while who, you know, yeah. we apologize she couldn't be here tonight but we just
2: didn't invite her. So uh <laughs> No, that's the thing. Like, I, I don't think of myself as being different from uh, who I was before I played and I'm still as into hanging out with people who love Survivor whether they're players or fans as I ever was and you know some of these parties we have are open house and I bring out as many fans as I can find and I I will essentially just invite randos from the internet including <laughs> including Emma who uh turns out to be quite a lovely person but um you know this season's pretty much over and and spoken for i mean who cares anymore right we're all on to season 31 but when season 31 comes around uh hopefully i'll be in it and for more than five episodes and hopefully i'll watch episodes with some of you guys um whether it's in LA or in any of the other cities where the dirty one will be congregating we will uh we will definitely get a chance to talk survivor together
1: Sounds good, and we look forward to it. Thanks, guys. Thank you.